childhood cancer with Dr. Jeff. And this is my fourth episode on nutrition. So it would be good if you listened to nutrition's one, two and three first, because then you'll know what I'm talking about. But in particular today, I'm going to talk about a form of nutrition where we give the feeding directly into the vein. So basically through the central line, straight into the vein. And it's called total parenteral nutrition, TPN. It's also called hyperalimentation in some places. But just to recap episodes one to three, in those episodes you will have heard from me that children on chemotherapy can have trouble maintaining their weight. And particularly when we get to stronger and stronger forms of chemotherapy, well it can be a real problem trying to eat enough to maintain weight. And a lot of children have a problem with losing too much weight and that's not good for you. And so in those earlier episodes, I talked about this issue and I talked about how we try to get them to eat more. And then I talked about something called nasogastric feeds, where a tube is put in the nose and into the stomach to give a special formula that way. But sometimes, despite all of this, we still can't get enough calories in. And so sometimes we end up having to use this other form of nutrition that I'm talking about today. And again, it's called total parenteral nutrition. So just to tell you what parenteral means, so there's enteral and there's parenteral. So enteral means via the intestines, right? Enteral is intestines, you know, like gastroenteritis. Enteral means intestines and stomachs and things like that. So that's normal nutrition, right? It's an enteral nutrition now, parenteral means giving nutrition, bypassing the enteral system. So basically anything that's given parenterally is given as an injection, either into a vein or into a muscle when we're giving drugs. So that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about giving the nutrition through the central line and into the vein. Now, when do we end up needing to use parenteral nutrition? Well, basically it's when all the other strategies fail or when they're just not an option in the first place. Usually it's with the more extreme forms of chemotherapy, the very strong forms of chemotherapy, or the bone marrow transplant forms of chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Normally it's in those sorts of situations. It may be that the chemotherapy is strong enough that it damages the lining of the stomach and the intestines, and so really even if you put formula in through a nasogastric tube, that it won't be absorbed properly and it might just come out the other end as diarrhoea. So in that sort of situation, all the feeding in the world via the stomach just isn't going to work. So that's the situation where we have to go to this TPN. Another situation is when nasogastric tube just isn't possible. So some children are having radiotherapy, for instance, up around the nose and face and mouth and sometimes the nasogastric tube just can't be put in place for some reason or another. And then you get the occasional child who just cannot handle having a nasogastric tube. Uh, maybe they just outright refuse. And then sometimes you find children who just keep pulling their nasogastric tube out. And I guess that's not ideal, but try telling that to a three-year-old who doesn't like having a tube in their nose. 
and then you have some children who vomit and vomit the tube out habitually. So sometimes you get to these situations where nasogastric tube feeding just doesn't seem to work or isn't an option, and so then we end up having to use this intravenous nutrition. Now, I've got to say, it's a bit more of a big deal as a medical step going to total parenteral nutrition, but I wouldn't say people should get freaked out by it. By and large, the experience of being on this TPN or hyperalimentation, they often call it in America, well, it basically involves just being on a drip and having a drip hooked up next to you um, and this specialised formula being pumped in just like any other drip. So you don't tend to notice anything. It's not like you feel anything or experience anything. But it's a bit more of a big deal than just nasogastric feeds for a few reasons. Well, one reason is, of course, it involves being hooked up to a drip. And that means most of the time that you're going to be stuck in hospital. Uh, It's not the sort of thing that you can normally do at home, this TPN. Uh, There's some extreme circumstances where people are on TPN at home and often they've got something other than cancer, you know, some sort of total intestinal failure syndrome and they're going to be on TPN for years and years. Well, in those circumstances, sometimes they can set up home TPN. But when we're talking about children being treated for cancer, it's not normally the case that you would be able to arrange TPN to be given at home. So it requires being stuck in hospital. The next thing to say is that it's not a particularly natural thing to do. It's not a normal thing for all your feeding to go into your vein. Normally, food goes into your stomach, gets digested a bit, into your intestines, gets digested some more. And then it's absorbed into the bloodstream, but in a very special way where it all goes straight to the liver. And the liver knows what to do with nutrition. It, you know, compartmentalizes it and distributes it and stores it and metabolizes it and does all the right things with it. And then the liver feeds back to the bloodstream what it's meant to feed back to the bloodstream. Well, if we feed straight into a vein, well, obviously it's not going straight to the liver. Now it's just sort of going everywhere. Now it ends up in the liver, and the liver can still do what it's meant to do, but it's not a very natural thing, right? So that's a consideration. Can things go wrong while on TPN? Well, yes, things can go wrong, and we have to monitor the liver function, actually. Sometimes people on TPN can develop abnormalities of their liver blood tests, and so most of the time we have to monitor those liver blood tests, And we also have to monitor all sorts of other aspects of the blood chemistries. Uh, We have to make sure that we're giving the right formula of TPN, that it's got the right amount of potassium in it and the right amount of magnesium in it and the right amount of this and the right amount of that. And so we're tending to have to do blood tests sort of fairly frequently to make sure we're giving the right TPN and so we can order the right TPN. So it involves a bit more of medical monitoring. And then the other thing to mention is that TPN is really very expensive. Now, it's expensive, of course, just to be in hospital. That's always expensive. But these TPN formulas, they're very expensive as well. And so it's a pretty expensive step. So for all of these reasons, we would mostly prefer to use techniques to maintain nutrition other than TPN. We'd mostly like to find a way to get a child to eat more or to use nasogastric feeding if we can All of those are superior in some ways to TPN. But if we really end up needing TPN, really it's not such a big deal to have to do it. Basically, if we find that we're not winning with nasogastric feeds, 
and then we make a decision, well, we're going to have to use TPN. Well, it's a case of looking at the child's blood tests and chemistries and their size and weight and their nutritional state and a few other things, and then ordering this TPN formula from the TPN pharmacy and specifying, well, how much fluid do we want to give and how much sugar and how many calories and how much potassium and how much salt, etc., etc. And these orders are placed and then, you know, normally the next day or later the same day, this formula is prepared and then we can just hook it up to the central line and start the drip running. And we might run it 24 hours a day, but more often we run it for a somewhat lesser period. It might be 18 hours a day. It all depends on the situation. You know, if we could run it for sort of 18 hours a day, that gives the child some hours off the drip, a chance to go for a walk a bit more, go outside, maybe go home even for a few hours if they're otherwise well enough. So depending on the circumstances, we might run the TPN for a shorter or a longer period of time. But like any nutrition, it's not something that you do for one day and then you've got your problem solved. If you're going to give TPN, you've really got to be thinking about committing to a period of several days at least or even longer if you're really going to make a realistic impact on the nutritional state. So, you know, it's not just a one or two day thing, problem solved, let's get on with it. Next thing to talk about is, well, what's in this TPN stuff? right? So how is it different to a normal bag of fluid that we give through a drip? Well, it's a much more complete formula. It's basically got all the nutrients you really need. See, when you get given a drip of fluid after you have your appendix out or something like that, those bags of fluid are really just got sort of sugar and salt and water. And then we add a bit of potassium and sometimes a bit of something else. But that's about all. And so those fluids are enough to keep you well hydrated and give you some sugar and keep you going until you're able to eat and drink again. But if you're needing something in the longer term, well, you need a whole lot of other nutrients. And so TPN contains uh, amino acids. Amino acids are the things that you get when you digest protein. Your body absorbs the amino acids and then puts them together into proteins of your own. So it's got to have amino acids in it. It's got to have a lot of sugar in it. There's a lot more sugar, glucose, I mean, in TPN compared to a normal bag of fluid. There's fats as well. And sometimes the fats are just in the formula and sometimes the fats are given in a separate drip, some sort of lipid fats. And again, they've all got to have already gone through the digestion steps that you would normally do in your intestines. So they're not just fats like you would normally eat. They're fats that have already been broken down into tiny little fats and then they can be dripped in and then the liver takes them up and does with them what it should. There's vitamins, there's calcium, magnesium, potassium, all sorts of different salts and minerals and things like that. So TPN really is a much more complicated formula to provide all the nutrients that we need for sort of long-term nutrition, assuming you're not eating anything at all. So how should parents respond when the doctors walk in and say, look, I think we're going to have to use this TPN or hyperalimentation, feed your child through the central line? Well, I think I'd say to you, don't be totally freaked out, okay? It's a sign, of course, that nutrition's become a bit of a problem and that we're not winning with nasogastric feeds, for instance, but I wouldn't be totally phased by it. It's not going to be some ordeal. Most of the time it goes smoothly. It's a lot more work. You're stuck in hospital, having more blood tests. It's very expensive, but hopefully someone else is paying. 
sure, there's all those considerations, but I wouldn't be too phased by it, too distressed by it. Now, I would say, however, though, that nasogastric feeding is generally a preferable option. So I wouldn't automatically say to the doctors, no, we don't want a nasogastric tube, we want that TPN stuff. I wouldn't encourage people to take that approach. You know, oh, my child won't accept a nasogastric tube, let's have TPN. No, I wouldn't say that was a good way to go. I would very much encourage people to look at what can be achieved with nasogastric feeding and really only go to TPN if we have to. Now, there's plenty of situations where we really have to. We have plenty of patients in hospital all the time that are on TPN, so it's not a huge great deal, but most of the time it would be preferable to explore nasogastric feeding first and only if that's not an option or is or proves a failure then look at tpn so that's it tpn total parenteral nutrition feeding through the central line uh, also called hyperalimentation or hyperal in america not something to be feared bit of a biggish deal and generally preferable to try other strategies first but again it's manageable Anyway, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. I hope this has made sense and been some use to you, but feel free to go to the Facebook page and look up Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff and leave a comment or a question or a thought or a response. But otherwise, I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.